In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month of Toba, and um, during the month of Toba we read um, several times the readings regarding St. John the Baptist, and here St. John the Baptist um, in John chapter 3, um, his disciples are concerned that people are leaving John and following Christ. So St. John, when he came on the scene and he began to preach, he developed some following and some disciples who began to follow him. And yet when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared um, and the people realized that he was the Messiah, the disciples of John would leave John and they would go and follow um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And actually St. John said about um, the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 31, he said, He who comes from above is above all. And actually we see this in the life of Christ, that he was above all, and that the kinds of things that he would do also was above all. And he did many, many miracles. Um, the people who were constantly asking Christ to perform some kind of sign as proof that he was indeed the Messiah, actually they weren't really paying attention. Um, because he did so many signs, and he raised people from the dead, and he cast out demons, and he healed the sick, and he walked on water, and he calmed the storm, and he did so many different signs that we can look at him and see that this was an extraordinary man. It wasn't just like any um, other man. He was a miracle worker from the beginning. And we see even from the very beginning, when we recently celebrated the Feast of the Theophany, where we see the Lord Jesus Christ being baptized, it says in John 1, 32, and John bore witness, saying, uh, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. So all the people who were witnesses to the baptism of the Lord, they saw the dove come over the Lord. They heard a voice coming from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And all these things were manifested to everyone. And this is why we call it the theophany, because it is the, the manifestation of God, um, the, 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 that everyone could see, in fact, that he was God, that there was something not, 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 not typical about this person. Um, and yet, despite all of these things, and despite the preaching of St. John, and despite the miracles that were being seen, um, the people continued to want proof. And many people resisted, and the Pharisees resisted believing in the Lord, because they kept asking for proof, and they wanted to know what is the, what, who is this man, and what, what is it they should expect of him, and they continued to resisting whatever it is that, that he was saying. Um, Today, for instance, if whenever we see something that appears to be supernatural, there's many people who are skeptical, and we can think of many ways that such a thing could be faked. You know, in the age of technology, there's many things that could be faked. We can fake the audio, we can fake the video, we can fake pictures, we can fake many things. And maybe if someone doesn't want to believe that these things are real, um, we can uh, make excuses and say, well, maybe somebody's faking it. Um, but back then, they didn't have all these abilities to fake these things. Um, whenever you would hear a voice coming from heaven, there is a voice. Where is this voice coming from? It isn't from a speaker. It isn't because someone has tried to manipulate the situation and, 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 and try to, to make it seem like something is happening that it isn't. And so maybe on, on the surface, the people were saying, well, we want a sign and we want to know and we want to believe. But really, they actually didn't want. They didn't want to believe. And they were resisting the, to believe in the Lord from the very beginning, which is why in the end we know that the Jews crucified the Lord, even though he had done many supernatural signs. So we can speak a little bit about what are these obstacles of faith? What is the reason that people might not believe, even though there are all of these clear signs in front of us? Um, when uh, in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, 
um, when the rich man dies and he goes to Hades and he realizes his, his error, he realizes all the, the, the wicked life that he had lived, um, how he refused to share his, 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 his provisions with the, the poor man Lazarus, um, and he realizes now that all the, the wrong choices that he had made, he speaks, to, um, he speaks to Abraham and he tells him, just send someone to go from the dead, to go to my family that is still alive on the earth, so that he, they could tell them about this place, so that they don't have to come here and be tormented like me. Um, and Abraham responds and he says, they have the law and the prophets. Um, if they do not believe that, then they will not believe even if someone raises from the dead. And maybe this is a difficult thing for us to believe. Like, truly, we'd think that if somebody rose from the dead, then that we knew for a fact was dead. Um, if somebody rose from the dead, then we would believe. And yet we see even in these examples that we mentioned, the people who are seeing the miracles of Christ, they did not believe. In order to believe something spiritual, we have to have a spiritual mindset. Um, we have to be focusing on things from a spiritual perspective and not only from an earthly perspective. Because even if people are wowed by miracles, it doesn't necessarily cause them to change their life. Maybe they are curious about the miracles. Maybe they are interested to hear the news of miracles. Maybe they are, they are, they are you know, it captures their, their interest. But it doesn't mean that they're going to change their life, change their paths, change their ways, change their lifestyle, change their thoughts, change their goals. Um, that's a very different thing to say that just because I see a miracle. We see also the example of when St. Mary was appearing in Egypt over the church in the Zetun. Um, many people saw her over the course of two years, but does that mean that everyone who saw her changed their life completely? Maybe there are other obstacles beyond just seeing miracles that is causing people to not believe, and we want to speak a little bit about them. The first obstacle to faith is that there is too much of a focus on the physical. Uh, when, when Christ is rebuking the Pharisees, he says, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. What was this? So whenever people would swear by the gold of the temple, it was seen as being kind of like, I'm making an unbreakable promise um, because I swore by the gold right this gold of the temple and so what christ is saying here in rebuke he's saying what is more important like the 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 spirit of what the temple represents that that is the place the house of god where we worship god or is the gold of the temple of actually of more value than the temple itself <clears throat> or what is it that we do in the temple and so he was calling out that the people were looking only at the earthly things and the physical things as having kind of some kind of a value. It's easy for us to value like a structure. It's easy for us to value something that we can see with our eyes. But how much do we value the invisible things? For instance, if we build a church that costs millions of dollars, people can look at this building and say, yes, we recognize the value of the building. We see the beauty of the building. We know the, the cost of the building. But what about what is done inside the building? If you look, for instance, in many, many um, cathedrals, like very, very uh, ancient and old cathedrals in Europe that have now become simply museums. People go and visit these churches, but not to pray in the church, but they go simply to look at the church. They say, look at the architecture of the church and look at the icons and look at the windows and look at the colors and look at all of these different aspects of the building that appear very beautiful and very unique and people look at them and they go visit them as like a tourist attraction right um, so they're focusing on the physical what is it that should be done in the church is worshiping god this is not the focus we're not focusing on that we're just focusing on what the building looks like um, 
w it is easy for us to look at the physical side of things and ignore the spiritual, even in the sacraments. You know, the sacraments have always a physical component and a spiritual component. It's easy to look at the physical component and say that's all it is. Like for instance, when a person is baptized, we see a person going into the water, um, and maybe that's all we, we see, all we recognize is a person going into water and, do, and we forget really about the spiritual necessity of it. The people who argue against baptism, for instance, they say, well, what is the big deal exactly of a person going into the water? What, what effect does it have? Well, the effect is not the water itself, but it is the spiritual work that is done, that God does whenever a person enters into the water for baptism. Or when a person is uh, married, for instance, in the crowning ceremony, you see two people standing and there are certain prayers that are being said and hymns that are being chanted and there's a party afterward. A lot of times people focus on the party and they focus on um, kind of the joyous occasion of what's happening, but without really thinking about what is the work of the Holy Spirit that's being done on that day for those two people and uniting them together. So it's very easy for us to focus only on the physical things. And with a physical perspective, we ignore and forget the spiritual completely. So faith is, a, is the belief of something that is invisible. It is the belief in something spiritual that is invisible that our senses cannot readily recognize or see. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, the primary work that he did on earth, though he did perform many miracles, it was a spiritual work. It was the loosing of the bonds of sin. It was a reconciliation with God the Father. It was an opening of the doors of paradise. And all those things are invisible. None, no one could recognize or see those things happening of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. But those were the most important things. Even when the Lord was healing the paralyzed man whom his four friends lowered from the roof, the first thing that he said to them is, your sins are forgiven. And this was a greater miracle, that his sins were forgiven, a greater miracle than his healing so that he could rise up and walk again. But the people focus on the physical. We focus on the things that we can see and not so much on the things that we can't. And this is actually an obstacle to faith because maybe the Lord does not grant or do the physical things that we expect. The Jews expected the Lord to be a physical king, expected him to be a military leader, expected him to conquer the Romans, all these things. But the Lord did none of those things, and so they did not recognize him or consider him to be their king. Another reason why maybe um, we, we lack faith or an obstacle to faith is focusing only on the external things. So the Pharisees, they didn't value the significance of all of the miracles that the Lord was being done. Um, they only focused on the external things rather than the change that was happening inside. Um, they came to argue with St. John, for instance, when he was preaching about the baptism of repentance. They came to dissuade the people from following Christ. They came to argue um, with Christ because again they focused only on the external and you can see this in the in the in the very legalistic way that they conducted themselves um, the Lord rebuked them in Matthew 23 when he said to them woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith Right, so what is it that the Pharisees were doing? Well, they were so meticulous in their tithing that not only would they tithe their income, their money, they would tithe even the herbs. They would tithe the spices. They felt themselves to be very righteous because they went above and beyond even what the law required of them. And yet, they lacked the very fundamental things, justice and mercy and faith. So justice and mercy and faith, of course, these, in the eyes of God, are the more important. And they are um, 
the internal understanding of the law. How is it that we should conduct ourselves now that we have an understanding of the law, that we've received the law? We should have the attributes of God, the attributes of God that are justice and mercy. We should have these attributes and we should live with the attributes of God being Christ-like. And you can see the difference between a person who is legalistic, who is simply trying to follow the external aspects of what the church is asking and what God is asking, versus someone who is taking it truly to heart. You can use the example of fasting, for instance. There's a person maybe who can be very meticulous in, during the time of the fast. They can be very careful never to eat anything that even remotely has any kind of dairy or derivative of dairy um, in it, and is very, very consistent and meticulous in this for the entire fast. But this same person maybe has not tried to change their life in any way, falling into the same sins that they were before, maybe loses their temper quickly and gets angry at people, maybe is offensive to people in many ways, maybe in, in, in other ways their life is completely unchanged. And the focus is not at all on growing spiritually, but the focus is on being very careful with certain types of food and ingredients of food that is to be eaten. But just like the Lord said to the Pharisees, he, says, he said you should do both. He said, yes, go ahead and, and tithe the spices, but also do not neglect these other very important things. So I'm not trying to say that being meticulous in our fasting is wrong. No, actually it can be a sign of, of real love to God that we are wanting to be so careful in the way that we are choosing to fast. But that should not be the only way we fast. The only way we fast is simply by changing our food and being meticulous in what it is that we eat. And so the focus should not be only on the external things, but on the internal. The, what is the reason behind the fast? Why is it the church has called us to fast? Why is God is asking us to fulfill all of these commandments and rules and laws? It is not simply for an external reason, but to look at the internal. And Christ also rebuked the Pharisees often, and he told them that you from the outside, you look like you are good, and you look you, like you are clean, but from the inside, you are full of dead man's bones, is what he said, right? All kinds of wickedness from the inside, though from the outside, they appeared respectable. So the second reason, which is maybe an obstacle to our faith, is the focus only on the external. A third reason, or a third obstacle to our faith, is that we focus only on our own needs. Again, the Pharisees, the reason they rejected Christ is because they never even gave him a chance. They never even tried to consider the possibility that he was the Messiah because he was a threat to them. They cared only about maintaining their authority. They cared only that the people would follow them and that they would be the spiritual leaders. And anytime they felt threatened that anyone would come and try to take their place, they immediately tried to shut them down. And of course, Christ was a very, very big threat to their position and their authority. And they even spoke about this. And so it was important that they, they, in order for them to believe, they shouldn't just look at what is best for them, but they should look at what is necessary and what is good for the people. Is it better for the people that they would follow Christ and have salvation? Or is it better for the people to follow only the, the Pharisees and continue to live in darkness and blindness, though the Pharisees get to enjoy their own, uh, their, their own position, the way that they have been. In Matthew 6.33, the Lord says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these shall be added to you. Meaning what? Meaning if we truly want to receive from God every good thing according to his will and according to his timing, then our focus should not be so much only on, on achieving our goals or 
obtaining for ourselves the things that we desire most, but on seeking the kingdom of God and trusting that God is going to grant us every good thing. So if God wants us to have position, if he wants us to have authority, if he wants us to have wealth, if he wants us to have a relationship, if he wants us to have a job, if he wants us to have whatever it is, then our, our, our focus should not just be on obtaining those things for ourselves, but our focus should be on seeking to be pleasing to God, seeking to worship God, seeking to do that which God uh, has commanded us to do, and that which will allow us to draw closer to God, and in so doing this, just as the Lord said, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, every other need, every other desire, every other thing that is good will be granted to us. Sometimes people go about it the opposite way. Uh, God is the last thing on their priority list. God is the last thing they're going to pay attention to. God is like, okay, we, we don't even, we don't have time to pray or we don't have time to go to church. We don't have time to do any service. We don't have time to do anything because our focus completely is on obtaining for myself what is good, on securing myself, on making sure that my future is safe and secure and I spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on this instead of focusing on God and just trusting that he will make everything else to fit into place. This doesn't mean that we don't plan for our future. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard in order to secure our future. But, but do we do so while neglecting God in the process? Or do we make God to be the focus and the center of everything that we are doing? Again, it's uh, focusing on just the external things, focusing on the worldly things instead of focusing on the spiritual things. Um, the last point I want to mention, uh, obstacle to faith, is that we have a skewed image of God. Um, the people who rejected Christ rejected him because they didn't understand him and they thought him to be someone different than, than, than who he really was. Um, whenever they were considered Jesus of Nazareth, who he is, they said about him, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Meaning, they didn't believe him because they didn't understand him. They didn't know who he was. They saw him as this son of a carpenter. He's just a normal man. There's nothing special about him. And we also sometimes, um, when we look to God, we have a skewed image of him. We don't understand who he is. We think that he is he's, um, expecting of us things that he is not, or we think that he is permitting something that he is not, or we think that he operates in a way that he does not. It is a skewed perception uh, a wrong understanding of who God is. For instance, some people think that God is simply a God of rules. He is waiting to destroy us. He is waiting to condemn us. He is waiting to catch us in our sin and the many rules that he has put into place. And the moment that we break one of his rules, he catches us in the act and he condemns us. And this is really what God wants. He's trying to catch us all, condemn us all for all of the things that we do wrong. Okay, But that's not God. Actually, the reason that he was incarnate was because he wanted to save us from our sin, not because he wants to condemn us in our sin. So sometimes we think that God is only a judge. We look at the justice of God, the judgment of God, and we ignore completely the mercy of God. We ignore how God is able to forgive, how God, uh, God uh, accepts our repentance when we come to him. Also, some people see the opposite. Some people see God as only merciful, and they don't see the justice at all, and they maybe they take sin very, very lightly. We see God sometimes as being unreasonable because he doesn't do what we think is right. Oftentimes, we have in our own view, in our own perception, a very clear understanding of what is good in the world. 
and what is good for our lives and the goals that we've set and the desires that we have that are good, that we seek, that we want. And when they don't come to pass the way that we would like, we become very angry or bitter toward God because he doesn't grant us our desire. He doesn't grant us what we want. And we see God as being either unreasonable, ignorant, we have bitterness toward him, um, or maybe he is lacking in love or maybe he's not paying attention, or whatever it is that we see him as when we do not receive our heart's desire, and yet God actually is the one who knows better. God is the one who doesn't grant us something that could hurt us, or grant us something that that maybe we don't see the pitfalls of it, we don't see the reasons why actually it's not good for us, but God does. So maybe sometimes we judge God in this way, and we have a skewed image of him as being a God who is, is, is not wanting to give us what is good. This is actually one of the ways that Satan tempted Eve. When, when Eve was contemplating eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the, the devil told her what? He said to her, God knows that if you eat of it, you will be like him. Right? God knows that you will be like him if you eat of it. And then it says after that, Eve seeing that the tree was good for food, she decided to eat. Meaning that the reason that God is telling you not to eat is because this is actually too good. And if you eat of it, you will get, you become like God. And this is a good thing. And God is like jealous, doesn't want you to be like him. He is holding out on you something good that otherwise you should have had for yourself. So you should just act on your own. Don't wait for God to bless whatever it is you're going to do, but just go ahead and act on your own. And this is one of the skewed perceptions maybe we have of God, is we see that we are better than him. We are, we are, we have a, we have a better understanding of what is good than he does. We see that God is stingy. He is not willing to bless. He doesn't want to give. He doesn't want to share. He is keeping all the blessings away from us. He's keeping all the good things away from us. So we might as well go ahead and act on our own, contrary to what he has called us to do, because we believe that our way is better. Another uh, skewed perception I might have is that I believe it is impossible for me to be righteous. Uh, it is impossible for me to do good. It is impossible for me to overcome sin. It's impossible for me to be pleasing to God, so I might as well just give up. There's no point in struggling. There's no point in trying. There's no point in repenting. There's no point in making any effort at all to become more Christ-like and to follow his commands because in the end, I know I'm going to fail, and so there's no way for me to do it, and I might as well not even try. This is also a lie of Satan, because he tells us there's no point in trying, there's no point in putting any effort. But what we, what we find actually is that the spiritual struggle itself is what draws us closer to God. It's the, the trial, the attempts, the work that we put in. And the Lord will bless our efforts, and he will bless our, 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 um, our spiritual struggles to grow closer to him, to be more righteous, to be more like him. And we shouldn't have this image that somehow holiness is unattainable. Certainly we are sinners, and certainly we will be sinners our entire life, but there is a path of growth. There is a path to increase. There's a path to increase in knowledge. There's a path to increase in love. There's a path to increase in submission and obedience and service. There's a path to increase in love for one another. All these things God can grant us through the working of his spirit in us, but we have to try. We have to make an effort in order to grow, and we have to have a plan, and we have to confess our sins, and we have to believe that God does forgive, and when we repent of our sins, and we can grow, in him. So there are many reasons why we, maybe we have a skewed image of God, and this keeps us from growing, and it keeps us from having faith, because we believe that in the end, no matter what we do, we're, we're going to lose. Um, and this is, of course, 
not true. So we spoke about four reasons why we might not believe, why four, re four obstacles of faith. The first one was the focusing only on the physical. The second was focusing only on the external. The third was focusing only on my own needs and not anything else. And then finally, um, having a skewed image of God. So may God grant us faith and to see the miracles that God is doing in our lives day by day, not just the supernatural things, but to feel supported by Him and to feel His presence. And glory be to God forever. Amen.